there's something that sort of needs to be treasured and, mm. and you know, preserved about. What is going on at the Stables Theatre? I'm Stuart Bailey, and Beverly Harling has been teaching me to plough the salt sea. Bev is more than just a musician, and she'll be putting her full range of talents on show at the Stables on June the 12th and 13th, with her one-woman show, Ploughing the Salt Sea. It's inspired by her deep dive into her family history. She's uncovered ten generations of her family, with deep roots in the old town. And for her show, she will be sharing stories and music drawn from the suds of the old town wash house to the mystery of the missing fisherman. Bev will take you for a stroll through the heart of Hastings' old town, meeting recently discovered ancestors from the local fishing community. Then, through the eyes of the women of Hastings, she will help her audience uncover a new perspective on community connection, ancestry and families, past and present. Bev, ploughing the salt sea is coming up at the stables shortly. Uh, it sounds intriguing. Um, tell me a bit about it. I mean, where was the inspiration for it? Where did that come from? I am originally from Hastings, and so was my mum. My mum was very secretive about her family past. In fact, I didn't know who my grandparents were. After she died, I started doing some research into her family tree because I'd always had this kind of burning need to know. Understandably. But she she just wouldn't speak to me about it. I started doing that research and started to find all these very interesting Hastings characters. And as I sort of delved deeper, I discovered that actually it's part of one of the fishing families in Hastings. That was, um, my grandmother was part of that, that family. And so then that kind of opened up a whole new world to me, especially having been from here and then suddenly realizing that these streets that I've walked past a million times, oh, my ancestor lived there. There was significance to them. Yeah, or my ancestor got arrested there. (laughs) (laughs) So there was this kind of, yeah, lovely unfolding of my understanding of my family history. And then at the start of last year, um, I started having some creative coaching sessions uh, with um, somebody called Mo Cohen. And he really encouraged me to kind of get right into those narratives in order to kind of, you know, sort myself out in a way, kind of discover where I'm from and, and who I am and, you know, be, be able to really sort of feel that and then move on, move on yes. from that kind of... Your hair is using background. Yes. I mean, how many generations back does your family go in Hastings? Have you managed to find that I out? Think I, I think I got to about 10. That's a, yeah. That's it's, a, it's a long so way. So you, you're, you're a well-established local family. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yes. No way you can be called an incomer. <laughs> no. Although I did, I did move away and then come back again. But I, yeah. yes, yeah. I, I do very firmly. I mean, I've always loved it here, mm. and I've always felt a real affinity for um, just all the people and the just the atmosphere of the town. Anyway, so in a way, it wasn't that much of a surprise. Yeah. But I think you know when you grow up with that and you have that whole kind of fish, fishing heritage on your doorstep, but you don't realise that actually your part of it is was quite a kind of revelation for me. I think we all tend to take the places where we live or the places where we're from, we kind of take them for granted. 
Yeah. Um, and I suppose getting to the stages that you were at, mm. um, that's when you really start to, once you start to delve, then you want to go deeper and, 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 and further back. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, it's it's almost an, quite a, an addictive process you know because you're kind of scouring newspaper articles and then you know you'll find one thing and that will lead on to something else you know I had quite a lot of sort of late night sessions on on my laptop where I'd kind of was like I really need to go to bed but I just I want to find out what happened just want to go back that one more generation yeah yeah exactly because the heritage of the town and the the, the fishing fleet and the, I mean, we're, we're talking, the fishing fleet's what, a thousand years old? One of my favourite views of the town actually is up on the East Hill. Yeah. Um, and at the top of the East Hill steps, as you look down just over yeah. the old town nestling in the, yeah. it's, 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 it's a lovely view. Mm-hmm. And to me, it kind of sums up yeah. the town as well in so many ways because you've got the sea and, and the boats on one side. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and all that's you know your, your family's been part of that for yeah. for so long. Yeah, and it's that scene as you look down is so. Um, I don't know. It just tells you so many things, doesn't it? You know, it's a, it's an industry that is kind of dying out, and there's you know there there's something that sort of needs to be treasured and, mm. and you know preserved about that. Um, I think, but also there's a there's a real beauty. But you've got this strange sort of like industry and all of this, you know, this, the ocean and the the hills and the, you know, it's a it's a really sort of interesting mix up of, it is. of different things. Very. And then of course you've got the whole uh, smuggling history as well and the caves yes. and yeah. It's, it's, yeah, there's so many dimensions yeah. um, to it. When, you Definitely. can look back and think your family's been in all of that. <laughs> I know, absolutely. Fingers in all the pies, probably, I would imagine. Um, but I think what I, what I was most interested in, as I started delving more and more into that history, I started to realise that I, I was really interested in the women. And actually, there's just hardly any records of any of them. Um, there's not really that many photographs. And, and the fishermen have been really well documented. But the women, not so much. And, you know, so I think that really, as a, as a creative, as a, as a songwriter, that really kind of fired my imagination because I started trying to put myself in, in the position of those women. You know, what was it like for them on a, on a daily basis? Where were the places that they went to? Um, you know, what, what were they coping with? And I think that was that was the real kind of launch point for me to be able to to start making the show. So it's a it's a one woman show. You are on stage alone. It's just me. <laughs> Although there's an amazing team of people around me helping me <laughs> to make it happen. To make yeah. it work. Yeah. Um, so what what are the audience going to see? What what the evening? How will that unfold? What will it include? Oh, well, I feel like I'll be giving stuff away if I tell you Well, that. just some general <laughs> things. <laughs> okay. So, so, so obvi- obviously you're a songwriter, so we're going to have song. There's definitely song, yeah. Um, and I'm a multi-instrumentalist as well, so I really enjoy writing on lots of different instruments. One of the main instruments I write on is the violin, um, but I play it kind of plucked banjo style and accompany myself, with the exception of maybe one or two moments there won't be kind of any musical backing it will just be me kind of creating whatever I'm creating on stage I also play a cittern which is a kind of ancient um, I think it's Elizabethan kind of guitar uh, which has a very particular um, sound to it I'm also playing an old pump organ 
kind of harmonium uh, oh, wonderful. Um, I love those. Yeah, they're amazing, aren't they? It, you have to use your full body don't yes. you, to make the sound. So it's, you know, it's, um, it's quite an interesting thing to, to watch mm. as somebody's playing it. So this was my first, um, yeah, sort of entrance into writing and writing for theatre. Um, and really, I just started with lots of memories and imaginings of women in my family and I just kind of went from there so there's some narration there's also um, there's a couple of um, very colourful characters that would have been in my past and there's just really a look at Hastings and just you know our our town is that, that presented in a storytelling way or it, it is in in storytelling but also there's so much as well that is described within the set the set designer simon has been incredible simon Dore. my voice was used in a production of metamorphosis which was on at the royal opera house and um and he did the set design for that and when i saw what he'd done for that set i was like wow to work with him one day and so um, he's been creating lots of kind of magic based on the on rock and all um, also we'll be using projections as a kind of extra layer so that we start to sort of feel and see the history um, and feel part of it all and feel part of it all so I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be a big sort of you know cocoon of of being dropped right in the middle of of Hastings in its many guises over the years that's that, that's good that's going to be good to see um, you, you say this is your first time in sort of merging some, some of, of what you, you're more well known for, your songwriting and things, with writing for theatre. Was that all out of the creative work that you did last year? Or have you been harbouring thoughts to do this sort of thing for, for a longer time? It's interesting now that I've started working um, on a theatre show that I've suddenly had lots of memories of times where I've been kind of wanting to do it and and something's just always stopped me from doing it even if it was just going from trying to get into the um, school production of The Wizard of Oz and, and, and coveting, you know, being Dorothy and then being told to get to the back of the chorus, uh, you know, when I was about nine. The, the moments where I've been um, writing music for, for theatrical productions and, and kind of been sitting on the sidelines and, and kind of watching other people do their magic on stage. There have been lots of moments, I think, where that have been telling me that I, I should be doing this. That should, should be your direction of travel. Yes, yeah. Um, in terms of your, your musical background, I mean, you are... It's, we can't really pigeonhole you into one particular genre because you've done, you've done so much, yeah. including heavy metal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I always found it quite strange, you know, when you have to when you're studying to be a musician and they and you're asked what are you going to study what's your specialism you know and I kind of I grew up in, the, in that classical world you know when I grew up in Hastings it was a huge time for um for kids learning music I mean you could anybody could learn music and everybody was learning music and it was this big kind of boom era 
so I was completely immersed in that world. There was a, um, I used to be in the, in fact, I used to lead the Hastings um, Area Youth Symphony Orchestra. And, you know, we were going away on tour all the time. You know, we would, we'd have these like lovely, lovely times where we'd all go on a jolly, you know, from about the age of 11, I think, you know, we were, I was doing things like that. And then I joined the East Sussex Youth Orchestra and then we, were, we would go away on, on kind of European tours. And, oh, wonderful. You know, so it was, it was, it was a really sort of exciting time to be sort of learning but at the same time I felt like oh I don't really know if classical is my thing but I don't know what else I could do really and then when it came to to picking universities I suddenly kind of went I I don't think I want to do the violin I think I want to be a singer in fact I really like jazz because I'd just been spending you know about a year in my room singing along to Ella Fitzgerald and you know all these kind of jazz greats and and so I just went and did an audition for a, for a university and sung a couple of jazz songs and I got on the course. So, so I sort of feel like I, 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 I couldn't kind of find where I was going. My dad always called me a rudderless boat. <laughs> and uh, now I'm actually really glad that I, I have been. <laughs> but I think when I've, I was in it, I was kind of thinking, oh God, I, you know, I should be you know, pegging myself mm. down to one thing. So uh, as a teenager, that, that you're coming up to your university auditions, and obviously, so you've been in the orchestras, which those sort of orchestras are predominantly classical. Mm. Where did you hear jazz? What was it that took you to listening to some of those jazz greats? Mm. Because you know, that kind of music is not generally played a lot in radio, for example. No, it isn't, is it? Um, my, my eldest sister, um, Ali, who is... Also, also a violinist, um, and is how come I ended up playing the violin, because she was already playing it in our house all the time. There wasn't anybody else um, learning music. There's no history of music in my family, so she was the first person that kind of got, got involved in, in music. Um, and she always had quite an eclectic taste in music, so I'd find the odd cassette. I remember finding um, a cassette of Ricky Lee Jones' Girl at Her Volcano, and going what's this you know I've never heard anything like this before you know becoming obsessed with this tape and and then um, going to stay with her in London when she was at at, um, music college and she had loads of Frank Sinatra albums and I think that maybe that was the first time that I I kind of heard a different type of music and thought that's really interesting and then I remember reading Uh, something about uh, Frank Sinatra talking about his phrasing and how he owed everything to Billie Holiday. And that led me to Billie Holiday. And, you know, and and then, you know, that that lovely, really exciting journey that you get to go on when when you find... Find someone new. Something new. And you you start finding more and more things and, you know, and it really kind of fires you up. And I I think that's what, what happened. Quite often music in general does that. You hear, you hear a new artist, you hear a new sound. Mm. Um... And you know, yeah. it, it just fires, fires something in you, and and that catches your yeah your absolutely imagination. definitely. And I and also I think now when I look at it, there was like there was always something quite theatrical about those songs as well yeah. that I really enjoyed because of the whole kind of Tim Pan Alley scenario, you know, where the you know all of those songs, all of those um, jazz standards, they you know they originated in in some kind of musical theatre. Yeah. Um, and although I wasn't a huge fan of musical theatre, there was something about that particular era that I that I really really loved. Um, 
so yeah I think there was a there was even even then there was some kind of kind of theatre embedded in that kind of jazz of what you thing enjoy. for me yeah so the the transition then from university to becoming a professional musician mm. because it, how do you do that because it's you've kind of got to make your own way really there's not you don't leave university go in the milk round and find a a job as a as a violinist no it's a it's a very slow progress and i i think universities are better at it now but i think when i went they they kind of went oh look isn't this music amazing and you need to know this for the exam and there's a practice room and you can you know and you can practice by yourself or with other people um but there wasn't any practical kind of this is how you look after yourself. This is how you promote yourself. This is your a business model. This is, you know, there, there, there was... Which would have been the useful stuff to learn. None of that, especially to musicians and artists who, let's face it, don't always have those kind of natural skills because we're, you know, we're, we're, we're off imagining things, not so much, you know, rooted in the, in the practicalities, practicalities of they can come paying later. your rent or yeah. eating some food, you know. <laughs> So the answer to that is very slowly. It took me a really long time to 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 sort of navigate my way around that. I think I, um, I mean, I came straight out of uni and I ended up um, co-running an off-license, mm. you know, which had nothing to do with music apart from the fact that I listened to music all day. <laughs> it paid the rent. And it paid the rent. Well, um, something better came. Yes, on. exactly. And also, something that's been, always been a really important part of my practice is to pass any knowledge that I learn on to others so I've always had um, a teaching practice that's run run alongside everything that I've done Um, and I think that's kind of informed me and also it's informed my practice but it's also allowed me to um, to keep a steady income and also be able to share um, you know anything anything that I learn along the way. And in in terms of your career I mean other things that you've done that people would, would recognise? Um, I think so, yeah. Um, so I was in um, <laughs> I was in the Medieval Babes for about five years and we did lots of touring. So we toured the uh, States and um, Europe and we did a lot of um, gigs in the UK around cathedrals. And that was an interesting project because obviously it was about uh, medieval music. So, But again, it was kind of reimagined. A lot of medieval music hasn't survived. So we were able to sort of use text and create songs. And part of that project is that you're able to write songs within within it it's not just kind of turning up and singing and doing the gig I'd already discovered that I was a writer um, by that point I'm signed to a um, Wawa 45s a record label in London who um, have always really sort of supported me throughout my career so I've released an EP and two albums I guess I've sort of I've done lots and lots of different things there's theatre shows that I've written the music for so um, the the last thing that I did for that was uh, called Ten Sorry Tales and that was on at Sadler's Wells and I co-wrote the music with my actual partner Frank Moon so there's kind of lots of different things I've I've played in various different jazz projects I also play with Talvin Singh um, who's the most incredible uh, tabla player. It just, it just so many little yeah. things. It's, it's whatever kind of grabs my attention. attention at that time. At the time, yeah. So, plowing the salt sea, a few weeks to go. Uh, everything going to plan in terms of rehearsal and set design and yeah, lighting. and 
<laughs> all ready to go. It's not all ready to go. I couldn't do it tomorrow, but um, <laughs> but it's definitely all excitingly in progress. You know, I've got all the songs now, which is lovely. So I'm really sort of uh, getting those embedded and um, and yeah, it's wonderful to go from that kind of point where um, when I was kind of in rehearsal and development um, at the start of this year, I did a, a, show, a sharing here in the Gwen Watford Gallery. That was kind of a big step for me, you know, just suddenly going, oh, hi, everybody, you know, I'm not, you haven't just come to a gig, you know, it's, I'm actually going to be talking and telling you it's stuff surreal. and, and yeah. moving around and, you know, and it was a bit kind of, whoa, I'm really out of my comfort zone here. Is it the first one woman show you've done? No, I did a show over at Explore the Arch in St Leonard's and that sort of, it sort of became more like a one-woman show. I feel like that was my, my transition into, oh, actually, could I do this? Doing that really taught me a lot about the process of being a creative, really. Gail Borrow at Archer Lodge asked me to create a, a show in one of the rooms in their theatre house. So I chose the conservatory and I was asked to read um, the book that they were looking at at the time for ta the, their festival Town Explores a Book, uh, which was Robinson Crusoe. I had to just pick a room and then read the book and then I could create anything I wanted from that. So I was like, oh, I'm going to write loads of songs and I'm going to do a gig and all that kind of thing. And I, and I didn't really know where to start at all. And so I started walking from my house, which is on the West Hill, and walking along the seafront to St Leonard's. On the way, I decided that I would be a bit like Robinson Crusoe and pick up whatever I found lying around on the beach each day and just let the sea bring me uh, what I needed for the day. And then my whole day would be around whatever objects I found. And gradually, the conservatory started to become a set and everything that I brought, I would spend time kind of writing a song about or thinking about or writing about. And soon the whole of this conservatory just ended up being like this big, wonderful, sort of flotsam and jetsam mm. set. That was a real kind of learning thing for me of like, oh, I don't have to know what I'm gonna do and I don't have to kind of have a plan for everything. Actually, it's really nice to let things come to you. Quite literally, let nature take its course. Let nature take its course, yeah. You can now find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search for Stables Theatre Hastings. Then, if you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review. And that way you'll be helping other people find our growing catalogue of podcasts. If you'd like to book tickets for this or any other show at the Stables, then go to stablestheatre.co.uk or call the box office on 01424 423 221.